Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Today we're going to be reading the last chapter of Michael Adam, chapter 14, Elect Heirs. We'll be on pages 161 through 170. After the reading... We'll do a commentary portion of the show where people who have questions about the Adam-God doctrine can call in. Once we have finished the commentary portion of the show, anyone who has questions about theology can call in. The guest call-in number is 917-889. 8827 during the live streaming portion of this program which goes from 8 p.m. or well 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. there is a chat room available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon for questions and comments that platform let's get into the reading this is elect heirs chapter 14 of michael adams speaking about the adam god doctrine pages 161 through 170 elect heirs chapter 14 of michael adam on the adam god doctrine pages 161 to 170 conclusion Many important truths were to be revealed in this last dispensation, for the Lord has said, I deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world, things that pertain to the dispensation of the fullness of times. Dion C. 124, 41, New Truths, Never Before Revealed would be of course very difficult to substantiate from ancient scripture. The Adam-God doctrine would be one of the mysteries of God revealed in this last dispensation of time. The Gospel, as recorded in the New Testament, contains a very minor portion of the words and deeds of Christ. John 21-21-25 Also the Gospel that Jesus taught to the Nephites, as recorded in the Book of Mormon, contains only a lesser part of his teachings and now there cannot be written in this book even a hundredth part of the things which Jesus did truly teach unto the people and these things have I written which are a lesser part of the things which he taught the people 3 Nephi 26 6 8 
Mormon continues his narrative and explains why so many teachings have been kept back from his record. 162. Behold, I was about to write them, all which were engraven upon the plates of Nephi, but the Lord forbade it, saying, I will try the faith of my people. 3 Nephi 26, 11. The Lord requires faith from his people. They must search, study, and inquire, receiving line upon line and precept upon precept, until they come to a perfect knowledge. Said the prophet Joseph Smith, The things of God are of deep import, and time, and experience and careful and ponderous and solemn thoughts can only find them out. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, p. 137. We never can comprehend the things of God and of heaven, but by revelation. We may spiritualize and express opinions to all eternity, but that is no authority. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, p. 292. There are but a very few beings in the world who understand rightly the character of God. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, p. 343. To understand rightly the character and works of God, it becomes necessary to gain a more sure knowledge of them than is revealed in the scriptures. There is much more danger in disbelieving doctrines than in believing them, for the Prophet said, I never hear of a man being damned for believing too much, but they are damned for unbelief. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, p. 374. Hence, the danger and difficulty of the restored gospel has never been in believing too much, but rather for believing too little, especially in matters that pertain to the Godhead. Man should gain the same knowledge and testimony that others have gained and it proposes a serious question and ash a question which the Prophet Joseph also asked. 163. I want to ask this congregation, every man, woman and child, to answer the question in their own heart, what kind of a being God is? Ask yourselves, turn your thought into your hearts, and say if any of you have seen, heard, or communed with him. This is a question that may occupy your attention for a long time. I again repeat the question and ask what kind of a being is God? Does any man or woman know? Have any of you seen him, heard him, or communed with him? Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, p. 343. The Prophet infers that man could hear, commune with, and see God. If the saints could achieve this experience and testimony, there would no longer remain any mystery or confusion into the identity of their God. The Lord himself directs this course to pursue. CDN C93, 1, 19. When man attains to this knowledge of God, he is obtained more than that second comforter. However, it is through the second comforter, Christ, that the Father is revealed. From experience, the prophet explains in dash, now what is this other comforter? It is no more nor less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and this is the sum and substance of the whole matter, 
that when any man obtains this last comforter, he will have the personage of Jesus Christ to tend him, or appear unto him from time to time, and even he will manifest the Father unto him, and they will take up their abode with him, and the visions of the heavens will be opened unto him, and the Lord will teach him face to face, and he may have a perfect knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, p. 151. The saints have been encouraged by all of the prophets to seek for this knowledge and testimony, for it is with this knowledge that we may obtain eternal life. 164. A critical warning came from the Lord against those who profess to know God, but do not. Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, a day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, and of lamentation. And as a whirlwind it shall come upon all the face of the earth, saith the Lord. And upon my house shall it begin, and from my house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me, and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. Dian C 112, 24-26 such an indictment is either directed to those who believe in the doctrine of God being the Adam to this earth, or else it is a judgment against those who have openly opposed it. Hence, the certainty of such a knowledge is of eternal consequence upon those who profess to know God and claim that they are his servants. Only until a man can step forward with this positive knowledge, he will remain susceptible to opinion, uncertainty, and disputation. Anything less than this revelation of God will subject man to question and doubt. But having this grand testimony of God, a man can, at least for himself, end the controversy. The Adam-God doctrine as taught by Brigham Young has been, and will continue to be, a controversial issue. Every serious student of church history will discover it in the pages of the past. Every elder proclaiming the gospel in the mission field will encounter Protestant ministers who will refute it. Seminary leaders, gospel doctrine teachers, and most officials of stakes and wards are often confronted with this doctrine. Perhaps if it has been a subject taught outside that 165 church, or a doctrine originating with apostates, the issue could be easily discarded. But these principles were taught and advocated by the First Presidency of the Church for many years. To disbelieve that doctrine is to cast aspersions upon the reliability of President Brigham Young and Dash Second Prophet, Seer and Revelator of the Church and Dash and others who were his counselors and apostles. Today there are a few Latter-day Saint teachers and educators who advocate the Darwin theory of evolution and thus proclaim no belief in Adam's mission at all. Some other members believe in the Greek Adam, Rebeve, creation. Also there are proponents of the theory that Adam was a son of God, the same as everyone else on earth, but by some peculiar twist of fate he was born with a physical body which became mortalized. Finally, there is a comparatively small portion of members who believe in this doctrine taught by Brigham Young. Hence, 
Mormons believe in various doctrines pertaining to the creation of the earth and the beginning of man and ash such as that they came from an ape or a clump of mud. A few there are who believe that they are truly the sons and daughters of God, spiritually and physically. This Adam God doctrine is logical and doctrinally sound, and when one reasons it out to its full measure, it renders a deeper and closer respect for the Father and his condescending form for his children. The Apostle George Q. Canyon captivated the spirit of the doctrine by alluding to the nearness that these teachings bring man to God. President Young, in the foregoing passages, while substantiating the fact of the union of man's pre-existing spirit with the bodily product of the dust of the ground, enters more particularly into the modus 166 operandi of that union. He unmistakably declares man's origin to be altogether of a celestial character and dash that not only is his spirit of heavenly descent, but his bodily organization, to and dash that the latter is not taken from the lower animals, but from the originally celestial body of the great father of humanity. Taking the doctrine of man's origin as seen from this higher point of view, and comparing it with the lower sumptive theories of uninspired men, such as those we have alluded to, how great the contrast appears. Look on this picture and dash man, the offspring of an ape. And on this and dash man, the image of God, his father. How wide the contrast and how different the feelings produced in the breast. In the one case, we instinctively shrink with dread at the bare insinuation, while in the other, the heart beats with higher and warmer and stronger emotions of love, of adoration, and praise. The soul is cheered and invigorated in its daily struggles to emancipate itself from the thraldom of surrounding evils and darkness pertaining to this lost sphere of existence and is animated with a pure and nobler zeal in its onward and upward journey to that divine presence whence it originally came. Mill Star 23, 654, Eclipse of the Adam God Doctrine, in summary, from 1852 until his death in 1877, President Brigham Young publicly advocated the following principles of the Adam God Doctrine. 1. Adam was not created as in adobe brick, nor did Eve literally evolve from Adam's disconnected rib. 2. Mankind and all other life was not originated by any other principle than by the propagation of species, through seed of its own kind. 3. Adam and Eve came into the Garden of Eden with physical, tangible, immortal bodies and dash not spirits. 167 4 Those bodies were of a celestial perfection before the fall. 5 Adam possessed an immortal, celestial, physical body in a resurrected state. 6 Resurrected beings in the celestial kingdom, which propagate their species are exalted beings and dash gods and goddesses. 7 Resurrected, exalted beings can produce only spirit children. 8. When Adam and Eve partook of mortal food, their bodies became filled with the seeds of death, which was blood. With blood in their systems, 
All children born to them would be physical and mortal and subject to death. 9. The fall of Adam and Eve was actually the changing of the spiritual fluid in their systems to the mortal fluid called blood. Thus the fall was from immortality to mortality. 10. Michael was the principal creator of this world, later to be called Adam. 11. Every woman, who remains faithfully to the gospel, will become an Eve to other earths similar to this one. 12. Eve was one of Adam's wives. 13. Adam, or Michael, is the literal father of the spirits of all men. 14. Adam, or Michael, is the literal and spiritual father of the Savior. 168.15. Brigham Young said his doctrine was revealed to him from heaven. Those few individuals who believe in the Adam God doctrine feel that they can hold their heads high with dignity, for they can claim a close filial relationship to their God. While some attribute their beginning to monkeys, Ahmad, those who believe in the teachings of President Brigham Young and Joseph Smith claim to be the elect heirs of heaven and earth, because they are the literal children of God. 169 Appendix in the month of February, 1848, the Twelve Apostles met at Hyde Park, Pottawatomie County, Iowa, where a small branch of the church was established. We were in prayer and council, communing together. And what took place on that occasion? The voice of God came from on high, and spake to the council. Every latent feeling was aroused, and every heart melted. What did it say unto us? Let my servant Brigham step forth and receive the full power of the presiding priesthood in my church and kingdom. This was the voice of the Almighty unto us at Council Bluffs, before I removed to what was called Kinesville. It has been said by some that Brigham was appointed by the people, and not by the voice of God. I do not know that this testimony has often, if ever, been given to the masses of the people before, but I am one that was present, and there are others here that were also present on that occasion, and did hear and feel the voice from heaven, and we were filled with the power of God. This is my testimony. These are my declarations unto the saints and dash unto the members of the kingdom of God in the last ace, and to all people. We said nothing about the matter in those times, but kept it still. After feeding myself in the stand, I was reminded of one circumstance that occurred, which I omitted in my discourse. Men, women, and children came running together where we were, and asked us what was the matter. They said that their houses shook, and the ground trembled, and they did not know but that there was an earthquake. We told them, 170, that there was nothing the matter in dash not to be alarmed. The Lord was only whispering to us a little, and that he was probably not very far off. We felt no shaking of the earth or of the house, but were filled with the exceeding power and goodness of God. We knew and realized that we had the testimony of God within us. 
On the sixth day of April following, at our annual conference, held in the Lord Tabernacle at Kinnisville, the propriety of choosing a man to preside over the church was investigated. In a very few minutes it was agreed to, and Brigham Young was chosen to fill that place without a descending voice, the people not knowing that there had been any revelation touching the matter. They ignorantly seconded the voice of the Lord from on high in his appointment. Some persons say that Brigham does not give revelations as did Joseph Smith. But let me tell you, that Brigham's voice has been the voice of God from the time he was chosen to preside, and even before. Person Hyde, Journal of Discourses 8, 233-234 Okay, so that is the reading portion of the program Elect Heirs We'll get into the reading commentary portion of the program now. Once again, people who have questions about the Adam-God doctrine can, go, can call during this portion of the program. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. And then after the reading portion with the commentary we'll take questions on theology anybody who does call in to the phone number will be brought into the call screening room and then you can ask me your questions or your comments if you'd like to come live on the air I will bring you on uh, as soon as I can so anyway let's get into the reading portion of the program with the commentary at this time Thank you for listening. Okay, let's get back into this. Those few individuals who believe in the Adam-God doctrine feel they can hold their heads high with dignity, for they can claim a close filial... I can't say that word. Let's see what it means. All right, Phil, filial, filial, okay. It's an ab, adjective of a, or due from a son or daughter, display of filial, filial love. I can't say that word. Um, it also means a dutiful, devoted, loyal, faithful, compliant, compliant respectful, dedicated, affectionate, loving, Befitting a son or a daughter, familial. Okay, so that's what that word means, and that's how you say it. And I have a time saying it for some reason. But um, for they can claim a close filial, I'm pretty sure I'm saying it wrong still, relationship with their God. God. While some attribute, attribute their beginning to monkeys or mud, those who believe in the teachings of President Brigham Young and Joseph Smith claim to be the elect heirs 
of heaven and earth because they are the literal children, literal children of God. So we're on page 169, if you're following along, uh, reading it with us. Um, and this is the appendix. So that was the end of the book. But, uh, but there's an appendix, so we're going to read that too. In the month of February 1848, the Twelve Apostles met at Hyde Park. Emmett, something's wrong with the recording. You're going to need to read. Do you hear me? Uh-huh, I hear you. I'm going into the void up here at the mine. Um, but, yeah, they, I don't know what happened, but it got screwed up somehow. Well, that's annoying. If you can hear me, we're in chapter 14. I hear you. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. I don't know what happened. Okay. Chapter 14. Conclusion. Elect heirs. Many important truths were said to be revealed in this last dispensation. For the Lord has said, I uh, I deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept hidden from before the foundation of the world, things that pertain to the dispensation of the fullness of times. DNC, section 124, uh, 41. Or, I don't know how that works. I keep forgetting. But it's 124.41. New truths never before revealed would be, of course, very difficult to substantiate from ancient scripture. The Adam-God doctrine would be one of the mysteries of God revealed in this last dispensations of time. The gospel, as recorded in the New Testament, contains a very minor portion of the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. John 21 uh, John chapter 21, verses 21 to 25. Also, the gospel that Jesus taught to the Nephites and recorded in the Book of Mormon, or as recorded in the Book of Mormon, contains only a lesser part of his teachings. And now there cannot be written in this book even a hundredth part of the things which Jesus did truly teach unto the people. And these things I have written, which are a lesser part of the things which he had taught to the people. Third Nephi, chapter 26, Verses 6 and 8. Mormon continues his narrative and explains why so many teachings have been kept back from his records. Page 162. Behold, I was about to write them all which were engraven upon the plates of Nephi. But the Lord, the Lord forbade it, saying, I will try the The Lord requires faith from his people. They must search, study, and inquire. Receiving line upon line and precept upon precept, until they come to a perfect knowledge, said the prophet Joseph Smith. The things of God are deep import, or of deep import, and time and experience, and careful and ponderous and solemn thoughts can only find them out. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 132. We can, or we never can comprehend the things of God and of heaven, but by revelation. We may spiritualize and express opinions to all eternity. 
But that is no authority. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 292. There are but a few, or a very few beings in the world who understand rightly the character of God. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 343. To understand rightly the character and works of God, it becomes necessary to gain a more sure knowledge of them than is revealed in the scriptures. There is much more danger in disbelieving doctrines than in believing them. For the prophet said, I never hear of a man being damned for believing too much, but they are damned for unbelief. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 374. Hence, the danger and difficulty of the restored gospel has never been in believing too much, but rather for believing too little, especially in the matters that pertain to the Godhead. Man should gain the same knowledge and testimony that others have gained, and this is, proposes a serious question, a question which the Prophet Joseph also asked. Also asked. We're on page 163. Anything to say, Dad? I'm gonna take yeah, um, oh. well, just hold on. I have to unmute my phone when you talk and whatever. So um, I did want to say one thing. So the scripture that um, was quoted, DNC section 124, can you go ahead and read that real quick? Uh, Yes. Uh, I deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world, things that pertain to the dispensation of the fullness of time. B and C, okay. section 124, If the temple would have been finished and the Shekinah glory of God rested on that temple as it did the tabernacle in the wilderness and other ancient temples and also the Kirtland temple, and the Father had actually come to restore the fullness of the priesthood, as is spoken of by Jesus in section 124, that was one of the things that would have happened, that God would have, he said this is the beginning of Revelation. So all of the stuff that we have was building up to this point. But he says at that point when the temple is built, that the Father would come restore the fullness of the priesthood and begin to reveal things which had been hidden from before the foundation of the earth. Now, I don't know if people realize this or not, but the Kabbalists and the Jews, they know that Adam is God. They know Michael is Adam. They understood these things. There was more that had to be revealed, so much more, in a temple where God could speak to them personally. And some of the stuff that God has showed me is just, awesome but people were not ready for it and and i don't know if people would have been completely ready for it in the day of joseph smith's um ministry but people are ready for it now they can comprehend things which the ancient man would not even be able to comprehend and part of the reason why he had to hold back things is because they wouldn't have been able with their primitive minds to comprehend the things of God in their fullness. But these things aren't necessary for salvation. 
But God wants to reveal so much to us. He wants to show us the society that he lives in. He wants us to understand the history of who the Elohim are and God and everybody. This is our history. We may not know these things because the veil is placed over our minds, but God wants to, he wants to share with us so many things. Unfortunately, the saints were not obedient. And Jesus said, if, if you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead, which the rejection isn't a complete rejection. The rejection is that they were rejected from receiving the fullness of the priesthood and being part of Zion's redemption at that time. And they were rejected in the fact that they were not given those revelations. Doctrine and Covenants section 124 was received January 18, 1841. Most of the revelations that Joseph Smith received, he received before that point. Even the King Follett discourses, our discourse and the lecture um, at the Grove, Joseph Smith already understood those things by that point. Very few revelations, and they were very minor revelations as well, were received after January 18th, 1841. If the saints had been obedient, there would have been a wealth of knowledge flowing from the temple in Nauvoo, where the Father himself would have given them so much but because they hindered the work, because they stole the wood coming down from Wisconsin on the Mississippi River that was consecrated for the building of the temple, they took that wood and they, they built other things, including a Masonic temple and other things. God made, put the kibosh on it. Jesus warned them in section 124. All they who hinder this work would be cursed to the third and fourth generation. Three generations, well, you know, I've said it before. Moses in the wilderness was one generation with the children of Israel. That was 40 years. Three generations would be between, one. Uh, well, three to four generations would be between 120 to 160 years where the, the saints were cursed and reject it. In the spring of 2003, the Father took me up on a high mountain and he gave me the fullness of the priesthood as he had done to many other of his servants in the past. But in order for the people to receive it, God was going to condescend to a temple which they had built consecrated and dedicated to God and he was going to open the doors for them to receive the fullness of the priesthood and Zion's redemption. Another interesting thing about the third and fourth generation is that Eldridge G. Smith was the fourth generation. He was the patriarch of the church. So the church was set up in such a way where Joseph Smith was the Lord's anointed and they, he had a, a, a bishop that was over the whole church, and he had a patriarch which was over the whole church. 
1978, Eldridge G. Smith was made an emeritus status, and he continued, but they put him off to the side. He was the patriarch of the church. He was a direct descendant of Hiram, who was one of the first patriarchs of over the church. And when he died in 2013, that was the time that the church was severed completely from all of the ordinances and all of the priesthood, which priesthood had been corrupted because of many things, including what Hebrew Jake Grant did in 1921, which was that from 1921 to the death of Heber J. Grant, through the ministry of George Albert Smith and into David O. McKay's ministry as president of the LDS Church, they did not confer priesthood on anyone. The instruction from the First Presidency was to ordain to offices. That was it. So no conferral for 30-something years. So many lines of authority, not only could they be corrupted by unworthy men who never received priesthood and cannot pass it on, but the whole church as an institution did not confer priesthood on anyone unless um, somebody was being disobedient. They just did it. But there was this great out-of-order that happened with the Heber J. Grant on many different things. But there was things that were beginning to be out of order during the lifetime of Brigham Young and John Taylor and Wilfred Woodruff. And Wilfred Woodruff was huge with getting out of order, which is why God said, uh, Jesus said to Joseph Smith in Section 85 of the Doctrine and Covenants, I must send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, because he knew it would get out of order. Part of the setting in order was Daniel chapter 12, where God commands an angel, well, a man on the earth, a messenger on the earth, a man clothed in linen, to raise his arms to the air. And the text says, raise his arms to the air and scatter the power of all the holy people. But what God told me to do as the man clothed in linen was to raise both arms to the square after the manner of the Melchizedek priesthood, which was not taken off the earth, which I held. And I can get into that in a minute. But um, he told me to raise both arms to the square and to sever the ordinances and the priesthood of all the holy people. And that was in July of 2013, shortly uh, around the time of Eldridge G. Smith, the fourth fourth generation. And the ordinances were severed. And I asked, I was so confused, because I didn't know about Daniel chapter 12 at the time. I didn't find out about that till a month after God told me to do this. And it was the Father. This is the work of the Father spoken of in Third ne- uh, Nephi. I said, why do you want me to do this? He said, if they will not accept you as my witness, I will not accept them. Six months before that, God showed me who I was, why I was called, and who I am. 
the reason why I have seen the Father and embraced him and seen Jesus Christ and embraced him in the flesh, in the light of the noonday sun, and I have been given the fullness of the priesthood under the hands of the Father and filled up to him and given the keys that I have is because I am the witness or the testator. He said, if they will not accept you as my witness, I will not accept them. It was a hard reset. The priesthood was never taken off the earth. The Aaronic priesthood was not taken off the earth, but neither was the Melchizedek. When John the Baptist said, uh, I confer this priesthood upon you, and this priesthood will remain on the earth until the sons of Levi do offer an offering in righteousness, that is when the two witnesses are put to death in the streets, and on the third day in the book of Revelation, they are caught up and they're resurrected right in front of the whole world to see as a witness that God does raise his children up. But when these two witnesses are caught up, they will have a bunch of people that go with them. Those who have received priesthood and those who have believed the two witnesses, that they are who they say they are. And when they are raised up, the whole world will flip out because these two witnesses who they thought were deluded liars they're going to see the glory of God and, and what, you know, that these two witnesses were exactly who they said that they were. And great fear will come upon them. It's what John says in the text of Revelations chapter 11. So, um, hold on, I'm about to go on the dip. I have some more to say, but Emmett, go ahead and read the next page, and I'll try to keep it in my mind, because I'm going in the depth. Okay. Okay. I'm continuing on, page 163. I want to ask this congregation, every man, woman, and child, to answer the question in their own hearts, what kind of a being God is? Ask yourselves, turn your thoughts into your hearts, and say if any of you have seen, heard, or commuted with him. This is a question that may occupy your attention for a long time. I again repeat the question, what kind of, what kind of being is God? Does any man or woman know? Have any of you seen him, heard him, or commuted with him? Teaching for the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 343. The Prophet infers that man could hear, commune with, and see God if the saints could achieve this experience and this experience and testimony, there would no longer remain any mystery or confusion into the identity of their God. The Lord himself directs this course to pursue. See D&C, uh, section 91, verses 1 and 19, or whatever those are, 1 and 19. When man attains to this knowledge of God, he has obtained more than the second comforter. Comforter. However, it is through the second, the second comforter that the Father is revealed. From experience, the prophet explains. Now, what is this other comforter? Is it no more or no less than, or it is no more or nor less than Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ Himself? And this is the sum and substance of the whole matter. 
that when any man obtains this last comforter, he will have the personage of Jesus Christ to attend him, or appear unto him from time to time. And even he will manifest the Father unto him, and they will take up their abode with him, and the visions of heaven will be opened unto him. And the Lord will teach him face to face, and he may have a perfect knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 151. The saints have been encouraged by all of the prophets to seek for this knowledge and testimony, for it is with this knowledge that we may obtain eternal life. Page 164. Are you there, Dad? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, so much to say. All right, first, I'm going to speak to what you just spoke uh, spoke to, and then I'll get to the other thing in a minute. Um, I want people to realize that while it is so wonderful to be in the presence of God, you have, after this happens, you have to come back into, the, into this world. And um, God withholds some of his glory from people. Well, because Moses even said, uh, he said to Moses, if I, if I showed you all my glory, you would not be able to remain in the flesh on the earth, which is true. But um, I just want to let people know how, what a blessing the veil is. I have been blessed to be in the presence of the Father and the Son physically and spiritually many, 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 many times. And it always takes something out of me. It always wears me out. And and when I come back into the flesh, especially if I've been taken up in the Spirit, just to know what it's like to be in the presence of the Father and the Son makes this world almost unbearable. And it takes time to recover and get used to, like, just being in the world and not wanting to just die and go to be with them. So if it was that we didn't have the veil, we we would know what it was like to be in their presence. We would remember, and there, there's billions of people that would have offed themselves just because of how unbearable this world really is. I mean, we're in hell. This is a form of hell. To be, pre- to be separate from, from God is hell. This is a level of hell right here on this earth. We're so used to it because the veil has blocked our memory, and it's like you get into hot water, you know, and, like, you get used to it. That, and that's what this world is like. We're used to this, this. And to have a knowledge of what it's like to be in the presence of God, man, I love it. I am thankful for it. But it is hard to be in this world, knowing what it's like to be there. So um, when uh, that one of the last quotes, uh, it, bring, it just brought it to my, my thoughts, and I thought I'd share that. Now, 
I'm going in Cat Canyon. It's not that bad. It just breaks up a little tiny bit. So hopefully people can hear me. I do have my antenna on. I do have to replace my antenna because uh, the cord is all screwed up, but hopefully it's working good. Um, Emmett, can you still hear me? Yeah, you sound fine. Okay, let me know if I break up even a little bit. I will. So when I'm on the Zoom call, the Doctrine of Christ Zoom call, when I'm giving them my thoughts and ideas and opinions and whatnot, a lot of what I am talking about is stuff that I know because God has revealed it to me, because I am the witness. I am the Davidic servant that was prophesied to come. But I don't. I I don't mind that people know that, but I okay. I don't mind that people know that. I don't want. I want the focus for the people to focus on the doctrine of Christ and what they're talking about. I personally don't want to be a leader, but I do want people to know how to come into God's presence, and that He does reveal Himself. That he wants you to grow and to learn. And and so I share my witness because God has told me to and God has told me to teach and all that fun stuff. So, um, hold on here. So a lot of the stuff that I talk about, especially when I'm kind of opposing what is being said, it's because I know. It's because I understand. The fact of the matter is, Jesus Christ told Joseph Smith to build a temple whereby the Most High can come to other end, not Jesus. Now, Jesus would have been there, of course, but the Most High is the Father. For he would restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. You cannot come into the presence of the Most High if you do not have the Melchizedek priesthood given to you. You cannot. It was not the Melchizedek priesthood that was taken away from the people. The the fullness of the priesthood is the priesthood portion that God gives to his children who have already received the Melchizedek priesthood. There's levels. There are different levels of Melchizedek priesthood, and there's different levels of receiving that priesthood. And that priesthood, all, all priesthood is Melchizedek, even the fullness of the priesthood. But the, the portion of the priesthood that was restored by Peter, James, and John was the portion of the priesthood which has to be restored by the laying on of hands. And no man or woman can have that priesthood or can come into the presence of the Father without receiving that priesthood. Which brings up Uh, you know, priesthood of women, which is a thing. There is matriarchal priesthood, which has been restored to the earth. 
few women have it. My wife is one of them. But um, you can't you if they had the the Melchizedek. Hold on. What was that? I have a really hard time understanding people on the TV radio. Could you repeat that? I'm on the phone. Oh, my gosh. Stop trying to talk to me. (laughs) Anyway, you could not come into the presence of the Father for him to restore anything to you if you did not have the Melchizedek priesthood. And I could not have come into the presence of the Father in 2003 physically without having received that priesthood, which I got in a line of authority through the LDS Church. And when people say that the Melchizedek priesthood was taken from the earth, they're wrong. The fullness of the priesthood had not yet been restored to the earth and they misinterpret what is being said because they come at it with their own logic, not with revelation. So um, I, I just wanted to like point that out. You can't come into the presence of the Father without the Melchizedek priesthood. You can't come into the presence of the Father if you're a man or a woman without that priesthood. To be a queen and a priest are priesthood offices. And there is both matriarchal and patriarchal priesthood. Anyway, um, I'm going to mute myself because I'm on wash plants. So let me just mute myself and go ahead and and, uh, what page are we on again? I think 164. 154 or 164? 60. 60. Go ahead, Emma. A critical warning came from the Lord against those who profess to know God, but do not. Behold, vengeance comes speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, a day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping and mourning, and of uh, lamentation. As a whirlwind, it shall come upon the face of the earth, thus, er, not thus, but saith the Lord. And upon my house it shall begin, and from my house it shall go forth, saith the Lord. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my home, saith the Lord. DNC section 112, uh, 24 to 26. I don't know if that's volume or 24 to 26. Hi. Question. Hi. Hello. Yes, I have something to say. I can't wait till the end of the page. The house of God is not the temple. When Jesus says, I'm going to send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, the house is all of the branches of the restoration. The leaders who profess to know God, to be apostles, prophets, revelators, seers, whatever, that have no fruit, of being prophets, 
seers and revelators are those who blaspheme God's name. And the house of God is established in the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills, which is North America. And from this nation, the plagues of the the gross, the the bad things that happen are going to come from this place. And it's already started. We funded the Wuhan flu. It is a genetically modified bioweapon. The vaccinations were patented before the flu ever came out, and they are genetically engineered bioweapons for the depopulation of this planet. In 2010, Bill Gates talked about, uh, he, you can find this on YouTube, it's called Innovate to Zero. And they were talking about global warming. And what do we got to do to make sure that we can, you know, slow down carbon emissions? Well, first, you've got to get rid of the people. So we got to get these three things down to zero or close to zero. And one of the three things was there's too many people. And he actually said that he, his new hobby was uh, creating vaccines. And this is all within the first like 10 to 15 minutes of this talk that he gave, which was a live talk. It's like a TED talk. And he actually said we can get we are hoping, and this is in 2010, they got a lot better than what Bill Gates was talking about back then. We're hoping that with proper vaccine, vaccination and with proper um, medical care, we can reduce the population of the Earth 10 to 15%. In 2010, the population was 69 billion people and he talked about how it'll probably top off around nine and there's some mathematics and there's some reasons for that but that's that we're not we're not going to go bigger than nine billion on this earth but back then we're almost at seven billion people so 10 to 15 percent reduction in population using vaccinations and health care of 7 billion people is between, um, let me think, 10% of 7 billion people is one or 700,000, and it would be 1.5 billion people at the top end of what Bill Gates was talking about that would be dead because of vaccinations and medical care. It, it's not for your health. They scare you into being compliant because they want you gone. The elites think that this earth is, uh, you know, that the, the, the people of this earth are filthy mouth breathers and they want you gone. And the Georgia Guidestones, you can look this up on YouTube and probably Google. The Georgia Guidestones talk about, and this is the Ten Commandments of, uh, of the Illuminati and, and all of that. 
they uh, talk about getting the population of the Earth down to 650 million people, which means the majority of the people who are listening to this, they want you dead. And they will find different ways to do that. But this fake pandemic is not natural. In the beginning of the pandemic, God spoke to me and he said that this pandemic is dangerous. But the cure would be so much more dangerous. In 2020 to 2021, the actuaries of the uh, life insurance providers recorded a 40% increase in deaths in 2021 after the vaccination was received by the people. And the age group of that, uh, that increase was between the ages of 18 to 68 which is the working age, which is the people who are getting the vaccine so they can keep their job. 40% increase from the beginning of the pandemic, which was bad, but they don't, they don't talk about it a whole lot. Hold on. Green light to the three. Anyway, they don't talk about it a whole lot, but um, <laughs> they don't want you to know that you're dying quicker with the flipping vaccine than you were with the, at the height of the pandemic. But all of this was, uh, was engineered. These are bioweapons of mass destruction to depopulate, the popula- uh, to depopulate the earth so that they can get global warming down. Now, global warming is just a, uh, it's an excuse that they've in- invented. Yes, there is some global warming. There's not a lot. Um, But all of the planets are warming up because something is going on with the sun. It has nothing to do with carbon emissions. Anyway, um, (sighs) all right, so I'm just going to let you read. Just go ahead and read the rest of this page and the next page, and I'll mute myself. Emmett, I can't hear you. Emmett? Emmett? I was muted. <laughs> Oops. Okay. okay. Yeah, did you did your phone call drop? I just, for some reason, it re-muted when I unmuted it. That was kind of weird. Okay. Uh, go ahead and read the rest of this page and the rest of the next page. I'm waiting for this guy in front of me to get off the grizz. So somebody's training somebody who doesn't know how to drive and is scared to drive. So I'm <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> come on. This is ridiculous. Do your job. Speed limit is the speed limit. Do the speed limit at least. He was going 20 at one point in a 50. I'm like, are you serious? And I couldn't go around him because I'm 129,000 pounds and I can't just accelerate. Anyway, I'm going to stop. You, you can't go exactly pull a 90 degree turn in a big wheel around a mountain. <laughs> yeah. So like, anyway, like, go ahead, Emma. 
Okay. Okay, go ahead, Emma. <laughs> so to believe in the doctrine of God in some on this earth. Or else the judgment is only until a man can step forward with this positive knowledge will he remain susceptible to opinion, uncertainty, and dis- disputation. Anything less than this revelation of God will put this man to question But having the strange testimony of God, a man can, at least for himself, end the controversy. The Adam God doctrine, as taught by Brigham Young, has been and will continue to be a controversial issue. Every serious student of church history will discover it in the pages of the past. And the other proclaiming the gospel in the counted Protestant ministers who will refute it. Seminary leaders, gospel doctrine teachers, and um and most officials of saints and Lord are often confronted with this doctrine. Perhaps the subject taught outside the church to an originating with apostles, the issue could be easily discarded. <clears throat> apostate. But, oh, apostate. If, yeah, it, I, if I it originated with apostate, it did originate with uh, so-called apostles, but they don't care. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Anyways, continuing on. <laughs> But these principles were taught and advocated by the first presidency of the church for many years. To disbelieve that doctrine is to cast, to cast aspersions upon the reliability of President Brigham Young, uh, second prophet, seer, and revelator of the church, and others who were his counselors and apostles. We're on page 165. Someone is calling a house phone for some reason. I'll be right back. I don't know why he's going to do anything because there is other people in the house that could do that. Uh, no, no one's down here. Where's Where's Are they in my bedroom? I don't. I don't know. They're upstairs somewhere. Olivia came downstairs a second ago. Okay. Uh, just remind Olivia. Oh, so. The Littles are with mom. So there's a goat emergency, apparently. And um, so my wife is not home right now. Uh, she's helping one of my coworkers just had uh, four baby goats last night. Four. Holy crap. And only one of them will latch on, and the mom will not let the other ones latch on. And these people have never had goats before, so they don't know. So my wife the goat master queen is helping them with their baby goats, trying to get them stomach fed and all the stuff that has to happen. So anyway, but um, she has the two little or all three littles with her. So, so when you have said everybody's upstairs, everybody meaning Olivia, <laughs> who's probably putting makeup on in her room. And a life. She loves dying. me. Oh, yeah, I forgot Eliza was home. Okay, anyway, go ahead, Emma. Don't worry about the phone. Okay. You worry about reading. Okay, bye. Right. I know, I'm just, like, reading, and I didn't know if you could hear it on the thing, so it's like, I'm just going to go answer that and be like, uh, you can't call. Goodbye. 
continuing on. Today, there are a few Latter-day Saint teachers and educators who advocate the Darwin theory of evolution and thus proclaim no belief in Adam's mission at all. Some other members believe in the Brick Adam Rib Eve creation. Also, there are proponents of the theory that Adam was a son of God, the same as everyone else on earth. But some peculiar twist of fate, or, but by some peculiar twist of fate, he was born with a physical body which became mortalized. Finally, there is a comparatively small portion of members who believe in this doctrine taught by Brigham Young. Hence, Mormon believes, Mormons believe in various doctrines pertaining to the creation of the earth and the beginning of man, such as they came up from an ape or from a clump of mud. Few there are who believe that they are truly the sons and daughters of God, spiritually and physically. The Adam-God doctrine is logical and doctrinally sound, or doctrinally sound, and when one reasons it out to its full measure, it renders a deeper and closer respect for the father and his uh, condescending fall for his children. Yeah, it is condescending. That's kind of a weird way to put that, but okay. I was just, like, trying to read the word correctly. The Apostle George Q. Cannon captivated the spirit of the doctrine by alluding to the nearness that these teachings bring man to God. President Young, in the foregoing passages, while substantiating the fact of the union of man's pre-existing spirit with a bodily product of the dust of the ground, enters more particularly into the modus operandi of that union. He unmistakably declares man's origin to be altogether of a celestial character. That not only in his spirit, or is his spirit of heavenly descent, but his bodily organization too. That the latter is not taken from lower animals, but from the original celestial body of the great father of humanity. Taking the doctrine of man's origin as seen from this higher point of view, and comparing it with the low assumptive theories of uninspired men, uh, such as those we have alluded to, how great the contrast appears. Look on this picture, man, the offspring of an ape, and on this, man, the image of God, his father. How wide is, or how wide the contrast, and how different the feelings produced in the breast. In one case, we instinctively shrink with dread at the bare in, uh, insinuation. While in the other, the heart beats with higher and warmer and stronger emotions of love, of adoration, or adoration and praise. The soul is cheered and invigorated in its daily struggles to emancipate itself from the thraldom of surrounding evils and darkness pertaining to this lower sphere of existence, and is animated with a power or with a purer and nobler zeal in its onward and upward journey to that divine presence whence it originally came. Millennial Star, I think, volume 23, page 654. Um, and that is the end of page 166. Uh, do you have anything to say, Dad? No. Okay. Uh, we are almost done. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, Eclipse of the Adam-God Doctrine In summary, from 1852 until his death in 1877 President Brigham Young publicly advocated the following principles of the Adam-God Doctrine First, Adam was not created as an adobe brick Nor did Eve literally evolve from Adam's disconnected rib 
second, mankind and all other life was not originated by any other principle than by the propagation of species through seed of its own kind. Third, Adam and Eve came into the Garden of Eden with physical, tangible, immortal bodies, not spirits. Uh, fourth, bodies were of a, celestia, a celestial perfection before the fall. Adam possessed an immortal, celestial, physical body in a resurrected state. Resurrected beings in the celestial kingdom, which propagate their species, are exalted beings, gods and goddesses. Uh, seven, I think I probably skipped over a few. <laughs> uh, seven, resurrected exalted beings can produce only spirit, spirit children. Usually there's a dash there, that's weird. Eight, when Adam and Eve partook of mortal food, their bodies became filled with the seeds of death which was blood. With blood in their systems, all children born unto them would be physical and mortal and subject to death. Ninth, the fall of Adam and Eve was actually the changing of the spiritual fluid in their systems to the mortal fluid called blood. Thus, the fall was from immortality to mortality. Tenth, Michael was principal creator of this world, later to be called Adam. Was the principal creator of this world, later to be called Adam. Eleventh, Every woman who remains faithful to the gospel will become an Eve on a, or two other similar to this one. Twelfth, Eve was one of Adam's wives. Thirteenth, Adam, or Michael, is the literal father of all spirits of all men. Or of the spirits of all men. Fourteenth, uh, Adam, or Michael, is the literal and spiritual father of the Savior. And fifteenth, uh, Brigham Young said this doctrine was revealed to him from heaven. Those few individuals who believe in the Adam God doctrine feel they can hold their heads high with dignity, for they can claim a close filial relationship to their God. While some attribute their beginnings to monkeys or mud, those who believe in the teachings of President Brigham Young and Joseph Smith claim to be the elect heirs of heaven and earth because they are the literal children of God. And now we're on page 169. Um, yeah, there were two pages in that long string of uh, lists. Um, you have anything to say, Dad, before I finish off this? Uh, it's unfortunate that the recording got screwed up because I had a lot to say about the, uh, you know, the list. But, uh, oh, and I just don't have... I'm not reading it right now, and um, I'm a little bit distracted because the guy who was going 20 and a 50 dumped his pop when he should have dumped his main. So there's a huge pile of coal on the ramp that goes up to the uh, Grizz here at the Spur. And I cannot get these loader operators that are supposed to be out here doing work to answer. And I don't have their phone number. And I'm on the radio call anyway, so I'm a little irritated. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Like, the dude should have let me go around him, you know, because I'm losing. I get paid by the load, not by the hour. And when I get stuck behind a guy like this, uh, it can, like make it so I can't make, uh, make all the loads that I need to make. And I'm already down this paycheck because of how bad last week was. And and if I have to drop a load, that's $44. But I just, you know, hey, 
It took me the same amount of time, but it made $44 less. So I'm a little irritated, but uh, I should be more focused on the program. But when you have to work, like my wife and I do, in order to give our children and ourselves the greatest life that we can give them, I mean, I, I don't think Emmett or Olivia or any of our other kids have any idea how good they have it. Emmett. You have no idea. None. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have ideas. You have ideas. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so we're going to get into the appendix in a minute. Uh, I think it was okay. Orson Pratt. Yeah. I, Orson Hyde. Uh, Orson Hyde. Orson Hyde. Anyway, he's going to talk about something that I don't know anything about, but as dishonest as people have been in church history about certain things, I don't know what to think about it. Um, I would like to know if there were contemporary accounts of the earthquake that happened in Iowa that everybody felt when God spoke to the council and proclaim that Brigham was his leader or whatever. Now, Brigham irritates me. And there was a war, Moore's War, and then there was a bunch of stuff. With the, anyway, long story short, there was a time when I couldn't stand Brigham Young. I was like, what the heck, you know? But God told me that Brigham was God's servant. He may have led a cursed and rejected people, but um, God told me to leave judgment to him for Brigham. And Brigham wasn't perfect. He did some things that he should not have done. That he was the man for the job in the times when he was needed. So I don't doubt that God, I, I do doubt a little bit because people make up crap. And I've, I've seen it too many times. But um, just because God chose him to lead the people doesn't mean that Brigham was the Lord's anointed. Anyway, go ahead with the reading. I've got to do it myself. Okay. Um, I guess I'm just going to read the rest of the appendix. Um, if anyone wants to call in, the number is 917-889-8827. Uh, I'm going to continue reading. In the month of February, 1848, the Twelve Apostles uh, met at Hyde Park, uh, a, a really long county in Iowa, uh, Potawatomi, my, me, one of those, uh, county, Iowa, where a small branch of the church was established. We were in prayer and council, commuting together, or communing together. And what took place on that occasion? The voice of God came from on high and spake to the council. Every latent feeling was aroused, and every heart melted. What did it say unto us? Let my servant Brigham step forth and receive the full power of the presiding priesthood in my church and my kingdom. Uh, this was the voice of the Almighty unto us at Council Bluff, before I removed to what was called Canesville. It had been said by some that Brigham was appointed by the people and not by the voice of God. 
I do not know that this testimony has often, if ever, been given to the masses of the people before. But I am one that was present, and there are others here that were also present. Hold up. Yeah. I do not know that this testimony has been given to the masses. Okay. I would like to take Orson Hyde and smack him in the face for lying. If this really did happen, and this earthquake really did happen, and all this happened, the people would have said something about it. Everybody would have known about it. So, yeah, I have a problem, because these people, like the whole instance with Brigham Young looking like Joseph Smith, some of the people, some of the leaders that said that they were there were actually on missions on other continents or in other places. There are no contemporary accounts of that actually happening. They didn't have nobody started writing it in their journals until like a long time later. A long time. Because they were fabricated and somebody fabricated and they said, you know, they probably was like, Hey, hey, do you remember when Brigham Young looked like Joseph Smith and then you know? And then oh yeah, I was there too. Oh, I remember. And then somebody, and it keeps on spreading, and these big old rumors, like flipping the tabloids, get spread around. And then people who weren't even there were like, I remember when that happened. I was there, and I saw it with my own two eyes. You were in it's England. Like the, it's like the Mandela <laughs> effect, or Mandela effect, like, uh, no, I am your father, or Luke, I am your father, um, or that. Or like how there is no uh, emoji in the I don't think that this deception has anything to do with the Mandela effect. It's no, just a lie. These people, like, no, like people are like, yeah, I remember that. No, I remember that, and they weren't even there for oh, it. Oh yeah, like, no, I remember that yeah. Happening. Like yeah, that's and what people I'm saying. Like it, they're like, oh yeah, I remember that. I that that, that never happened. Oh, yeah, I was there. I saw it. No, you weren't. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just had to interrupt it because it just irritates me. Because they they want people to believe that that Brigham Young is the Lord's anointed. And all is well in Zion, and there's nothing wrong except for 124, which I don't even know how these people. uh, Brigham Young, he, he twisted things around. He, like, took took multiple revelations and squashed them together and edited things and there's a bunch of crap that he did. But this one somehow was preserved and people can go read it and read it and find out, hey, what Jesus said would happen if we were obedient, none of that ever happened. But what he said would happen if we were disobedient, that's exactly what happened. And Jesus said he would reject the church. Now, is Jesus a liar? Absolutely not. He may be patient, but if it comes down to the point where he's telling you, you do this or I will do that, he is not lying. He rejected the church. That's why these prophets, seers, and revelators do not have any of the fruits of being prophets, seers, and revelators. That's why they have to make up stories about plane crashes that never happened. Russell Nelson, Rusty... And all the other crap that they just made trap up, lying for the Lord. And guess what? People can see 
that they're lying in, guess what? They throw the baby out with the bathwater and reject the restoration, Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ. Some of them become atheists because the lies of the church, because they're trying to protect their power and their authority over the people. They don't give one crap about the restoration or preserving truth. Emmett. Hi. Why are you being loud? I'm not. Uh, you are. What's going on? I was just checking the studio. I went to reload it. I don't know. I don't know. Did you use, Did you put Mom's headset on like I asked you to? Nope. I couldn't find it. You know, that headset that I let you borrow is a, an expensive Bluetooth noise-canceling headset, which is for the radio show, and you have not been able to find it since last week. Yep. Emmett? Emmett. Mm-hmm. Emmett? Yeah. Emmett. I am not happy to you. Okay. Okay, but thank you for reading. I am happy to you a little bit, but not because you, whatever. Just uh, go ahead and finish this call. I'll try to shut my mouth. <laughs> okay. Oh. Where was I? Just like interrupting me. <laughs> oh. In the middle of his call, he's like, uh, the masses may not know the thing that I'm about to tell you because it's a lie and nobody wrote oh, yeah. about it. And <laughs> if this really did happen, people would have wrote about it and there would be some kind of contemporary account. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, but I am one that was present. Or that was present. And there are others here that were also present on that occasion. And did hear me, or not hear me, and did hear and feel the voice from heaven. And we were filled with the power of God. This is my testimony. These are my declarations unto the saints, unto all the members of the kingdom of God in the last days, and to all the people. We said nothing about the matter in those times, but kept it still. After seating myself in the stand... I was reminded of one circumstance that occurred, which I omitted in my discourse. Men, women, and children came running together where we were and asked us what was the matter. They said that their houses shook and the ground trembled and that they did not know but that there was an earthquake. We told them that there was nothing to matter, not to be alarmed. The Lord was only whispering to us a little and that he was probably not very far off. We felt no shaking of the earth or of the house but were filled with the exceeding power and goodness of God. We knew and realized that we had the testimony of God within us. On the 6th day of April following, at our annual conference, held in the log tabernacle at Canesville, the property, or the propriety, oh, I can't say that word, propriety of choosing a man to preside over the church was investigated. Um, That is, so, for some reason, they felt church was one of those weird views. In a very few minutes, it was agreed to, and Brigham Young was chosen to fill that place without a uh, dissenting voice. People not knowing that there had been any revelation touching the matter, they ignorantly succeeded the voice of the Lord from on high in his appointment. Some persons say that Brigham does not give revelations, as did Joseph Smith. But let me tell you that Brigham's voice had been the voice of God from the time he was chosen to preside and even before. 
Orson Hyde, Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 233 to 234. And that is the end of Michael Adam, I believe. Yeah. And, yeah, that's the end of that. Anything to say, Dad? Yep. So much. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I, how are we supposed to repent as a people if we are founded in lies? How are you supposed to awaken to your awful situation if you think all is well in Zion? I don't know if you people know this or not, but the Book of Mormon wasn't written to some other people. It was us. The whole all is well in Zion thing, that's us. All is not well in Zion. You cannot repent and, and turn back to the restoration without turning back to the first works of what Joseph Smith uh, gave, which was revelation from God. You you have to understand that you have been rejected as a church with your dad in that you're not going to redeem Zion. It will not be the Latter-day Saints that do that. It will be the righteous from the midst of all of God's house. I'm going in the depth. Is there anything you have to say while I'm uh, breaking up a little bit here? Did you have anything to say while I'm in the dip? Uh, No, I don't have anything to say, but Mom just got here and Amberly came in. And apparently they have two of those baby goats. Oh, they brought them with them? I think so. Oh, wait. Amberly is the one who came in. Uh, Hold on. Easy. Good. I'm breaking up a little bit, I think, but I usually do anyway. There's only two baby goats? They got two of them. They were four, I think. Where's the third one? I don't know. Take the phone to mom. I want to find out. And the listening audience might be interested as well. Um, But, yeah, uh, by the way, everybody, guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. We are opening the phone lines for anybody who has questions on theology. So uh, keep an eye on the studio, Emmett. I'll try to keep an eye on the studio, too. And take me to the mother. Okay, I need to get my shoes on. I don't know what she's doing exactly. So maybe take... Oh, Okay, so what is going on, people? This is it. People at my work know that I've got a flipping buttload of goats. And then we just had babies. And we are goat masters. My wife is the goat queen. I am the goat king. And my son is the goat master. Anyway. (laughs) Um, So this guy that I know at work, he bought two goats. And while he was building an enclosure for his goats to be in last summer, he had the goats taken care of by another bunch of people that have, are another person who has a bunch of goats of their own. Their two female goats got pregnant at that time, and they just had their babies yesterday. There are four baby goats. One of them, the mother is letting feed. The other three, the mothers will not feed them. 
So these people, this person that I am friends with at work, um, he knows I have goats. And so he calls me and he's telling me, he's like, I don't know what to do. You know, they're trying to figure it out. My wife was in Price. They live in Price. My wife went over to their house and I suggested that our mama goats who have given birth, one of them let the other, oh, actually three of them, two of them are pregnant. One of them is getting ready to have a baby. She's bagging up. The other one, we keep on thinking she's going to have babies and she is pregnant, but she hasn't given birth yet. And she's bagged up, too, so hopefully this week. Anyway, but those three mama goats, there's four, but there's three that will let the other babies feed off of them. So we, uh, so I suggested that maybe we bring those babies over and we put them in our nursery, in our building where we have the mama goats, uh, which is an outbuilding, and we want to see if maybe the baby goats can feed off of our goats and we'll take care of them until they're old enough to to not have to worry about their mom trying to feed them anymore. So that is what my wife is doing. And there were three goats, and Emmett's saying that there's only two goats, so I want to know what happened to the third goat. And so we're just waiting for Kim to come on. Um while we're waiting, the next uh, book that I am going to be reading is Polygamy in the Bible. Uh, but I have to go and look and make sure I haven't already read it. If I've already read it, I'm just going to post them on my wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977 along with the text so people can read it or they can listen to my, my commentary as I read it. Because uh, okay, I want people so to understand... Mom's running out back to do the goats. She has two baby goats. There were four. She took two of them. Okay, so they kept uh, the runs because they're going to try to bottle feed it. And we have the other two that are more healthy that are not being fed by their mother. And Kim is going to see if the, our goats will nurse those babies, which I hope they do. No, that's they're so weird looking. They have long, floppy ears, and they're all black and brown. So they're not and forehead. They're very small. They were born yesterday. And when you have they're a baby... Advertised. So Murray has big babies because Murray only gives us one at a time, but the other goats have twins. And their babies are usually smaller because they're twins. So, and I don't know if this goat that got pregnant had twins and both of them had twins or if. It sounds like they were all born at the same time. So they might be quadruplets. And if that's the case, they're going to be even smaller than the twins are. So, uh, yeah, it's all fun. We love goats. I told my wife that she can have goats because we can, like, take the seats out of the minivan and put some tarps back there and take the goats where we need to take them. But she's not allowed to have a cow or cows or horses, which she wants, uh, until we have a horse trailer and a truck to pull it with. So the vehicle that we had to pull trailers broke down and the side of the engine uh, is missing in one. There's a hole. (laughs) 
So, uh, but we are getting a truck, hopefully, in the next month or two. And then we'll have to, uh, we'll have to buy a horse trailer at some point uh, to, to carry cows in for horses. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, we're goat, goat people. Meat on the hoof. And, uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, now getting back to what I was talking about before, um, people are flipping out about what Jacob says in the Book of Mormon about polygamy being an abomination. Now, polygamy is not an abomination. It is in the Torah. There is instructions in the Torah. God does not say it's an abomination. But what he does say in the Torah is multiplying wives is an abomination and we should not do that. And that is where you take too many wives and you cannot follow the other instructions in Torah to take care of the wives uh, in their homes, their clothing, their food, their children, and their emotional and sexual needs, which every woman has. So that is an abomination. And in the same revelation, God says that uh, that we should not practice uh, taking multiple wives unless he commands it. And he, the only time he commands it is when he wants to raise up a righteous seed unto himself, which is fine. That's the Lord's prerogative. But I'm just like, well, when do we not, when does God not want to raise up a righteous seed unto himself? And then understanding uh, why polygamy is important and why the ceilings of men and women are important, uh, we're going to talk about these things. We're going to go into the Bible, because everybody's like, well, why can't you show us? And, you know, and I just don't have the time to do all the showing, but I do, and I don't have time to do the radio program either. But we're making it work, and I'm going to be covering that topic. So that's what we're going to get in tomorrow, uh, to tomorrow, and my wife can't get on right now, obviously. So, Emmett? Emmett? Hello. Refresh your screen. Look in the studio. See if anybody's asked any questions or comments in the chat, and see if anybody has called in. No one's done anything. Okay. Uh, That's about normal. All right. Well, I am thankful for the people who do listen to this program. If you feel inspired to share it with others, please do so. Um, Thank you. All right. um, I don't know. I just... I. That's what we're going to get into. It's not it's not the topic I wanted to talk about. Oh, and by the way, I'm not a polygamist. Uh, I do not have two wives living with me, but I am still the two women. My first wife, um, who got mad because she couldn't get pregnant, she blames it on me and told everybody that I was sterile because of my drug use and had all kinds of excuses, and she left me. And uh turns out uh, my wife, my current wife, has been pregnant nine times. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't my problem. 
anyway, and I feel sorry for this, my ex-wife. Uh, she just wanted to be a mother so bad. And, um, and then her family, they, like, just backstabbed me all the time because I wasn't good enough for them. Uh, my ex-wife, her grandmother, Beulah Rose, or Beulah Hinckley, her maiden, her maiden name was Hinckley. She's, uh, you know, family of Gordon B. Hinckley. And so they all think that they're all special because they are, you know, Alonzo Hinckley was an apostle and Gordon B. Hinckley was the president of the church and uh, whatever. So I was never good enough for them. I'm not college educated. They're all college educated. And, uh, yeah, so... Anyway, so um, so it is what it is. I am still filled to her, and uh, if she ever decided to come back, then so something interesting. Um, in May of two thousand and six, okay, so in um, May twenty fifth of two thousand and five, we were supposed to get married in the Salt Lake Temple. The morning that we were supposed to be sailed. She didn't show up. Uh, in July of 2005, uh, I broke it off because it was up and down, wishy-washy. Her family didn't like me, whatever. Well, some of them did, but most of them didn't. Her mom and sisters, whatever. Um, in 2000, in May 25th of 2006, she, she calls me up and she says, I dated this guy. And he treated me how I used to treat you, and I still love you, and I realized how wrong I was. So we got back together, and we got married on June 27th of 2006. Right before we got married, Heavenly Father informed me that she would not be in my life for very long, but then she would be again in the future, which I thought, well, one of us is going to die, and we'll be together in the resurrection or something. I don't know. Anyway, so I know that she'll be in, the, in our lives in the future, but as to what the capacity of her being in my life, I have no idea. Um, and Tim and I have agreed, and we both feel confident, that we will practice polygamy if both of us receive direct revelation and the other person receives direct revelation that this is what we're supposed to do. But we're not looking for it. We're not out there trying to find wives. Not happening. So anyway, um, so I'm not a polygamist, but I kind of am. I'm so the two women, and we're open to it. Anyway, I'm, a, I'm on the mine road, and I'm going to break up. So how about we end the program? Uh, I'm at cue the music. <laughs> 